When Lamar said something to me about speaking on prophecy, uh, I just, I don't know how to describe to you how close to my heart this is. And part of it's because I've seen the Lord work so many times in people's lives through this exact thing. And I think one of the things that has probably freed me up as much as anything else is the Lord took the mystery away from it. I, I, and I want to do that tonight. I want to help kind of remove this like veil. I think it's just a veil of misunderstanding of what it is and what, he, what God wants to do. Because this is an invitation from the living, breathing God of the universe to walk with him, to experience him, and to, to be able to speak with him into the lives of other people or to receive from God through the mouth of other people. So if you think of uh, anything that over the years has been misunderstood, if you could take someone from let's say years ago that had never seen an airplane and you'd say okay sometime in the future men are going to be able to get or you know people are going to be able to get into this machine and it will fly like a giant eagle from one part of the world to the other they'd have thought you're nuts they'd have said it's not possible and they would have simply misunderstood it I don't know if any of you have uh, ever listened to Ranger Bill. Lamar and I, um, we, anybody ever hear Ranger Bill? Yeah, all right, man. We'd, we'd like huddle around the radio and listen to this radio drama as little kids. And uh, I remember a story that as I was thinking about this, it, it came to mind. And this this story was called the, the One Wire Fence. Do you remember that, Lamar? So it was set in the kind of ranching area uh, where you know, people had cattle and, and the only thing that the farmers had known was barbed wire. And so they, they would, that's, that's the only thing that would keep cattle into their area. And Someone introduced a smooth wire, and it was only one wire. They didn't have to have three or four rows, and it was just this simple one wire. And boy, the ranchers really balked at that. They, they said, that's not going to keep a cow in. It'll just walk right over it. It'll push against it. It'll... And uh, one of the ranchers went over and touched the wire. Well, you guessed it. It's electric. <laughs> And, I mean, it was immediately, he jumped back and he says, there's demons in that wire. And they went and tried to break the box where the wire came from, and they tried to stamp out the demons. They just didn't understand that it's just an electric fence. It was the one-wire fence. And it, had, it served a much greater purpose. It was actually far more economical to put in it you, you could you could run it for miles and it, it was just a simple thing that did the job better so when I think of what what have we misunderstood 
What has God provided for us that we, we think we know how to live as a Christian, and so we, we operate in that way. We come up against a situation, and, and that's just what we do because, well, that's what we're used to. So I want you to think of, of this as whether you have training on this or not, just, just sit openly and listen to Paul as he describes this. Um, when, I, when I think of the operating in the Spirit, uh, I think, you know, Christians, it seems like so much of, of this has been discouraged by actual Christians who've, who've been the ones coming against it. If you think of people in the world, I mean, they're, come on, they're going to palm readers. They're going, to, they're going all over the place. Why? Well, because they want to experience something more. It's the Christians who have pulled away from and sort of put up the black axe of, yeah, you don't want to operate in the things of the Spirit. And when I was thinking about this, it kept coming back to me that it's only because if you don't understand something, the only option is to control it. So if you can't control it, you must refuse it. So if, if you refuse the operation of the Spirit, you actually refuse the hope and the power and the, the ability to do what God wants you to do. Paul talks about, in Ephesians 4, I don't have this up here, but uh, we're not going to read it, but he talks about the unity of the Spirit. And when I think of the church and I think of unity, the unity, there's only one way that we can have unity in the body of Christ, and that's the unity of the Spirit. So go to, go to Ephesians 4 sometime and read it. See what God shows you. There is, I don't know, do you guys remember, I preached a message here called Unity is Not Uniformity. It was a couple years ago. And I would have grown up in a culture of uniformity. And most of the world operates in that in one way or another. I mean, if, if, you, go, if you go to Canada, they say, hey, hey, you know, I mean, it's like things happen because people kind of operate like everyone else because it's expected, it's acceptable. That's where different uh, dress and cultures come from. But in the church... What happens is if someone doesn't look like you, then the, the temptation is to say, well, I'm not sure I trust them if they don't actually look like me. That's not unity to get everyone to look the same or act the same. Unity has to come from the Spirit. See, God is the one that calls the shots on this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, I want to read verse 1. And Paul's talking about, in, in this chapter, he talks about diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Okay, so that's Paul saying, listen, I want you to learn. Don't be ignorant of this. Learn it. Uh, I'm going to use, I'm just going to point out one thing about the word ignorant. Ignorant isn't lack of knowledge. It's ignoring knowledge. You actually have ability to get all the knowledge you need, but when you ignore it, you're ignorant. So don't be ignorant. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to do, I'm going to read verses 7 through 11 here. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, 
to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Now, as I was studying through this, I felt like God wanted me to bring this in and to say something about this. When I've heard this talked about, it, there seems to be an understanding that, well, okay, if you've been given, uh, let's see, one of these, you've been given faith, uh, I, I don't have that. You've been given a gift of healing, well, that's yours. Um, I've been given discernment or, or tongues or interpretation of tongues, and it's like, well, that's... That's the path I walk in now because that's the gift I've been given. The truth of this is, in verse 11, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, continually, back and forth. I've been in a service where every one of these things have come to me in one service. I've had a word of knowledge. I've had a gift of healing. I've had faith that rose up. <laughs> I... And I went, wait a minute, how is all of this happening to me? Isn't this supposed to be for each one? Yeah, but in the moment, in, if, you, if you look at a service that lasts an hour and a half long, a lot of things can happen if you're listening to the Lord. If you're, if you're firing on all cylinders, he's able to, to go in and move and flow in and through us. So this is not just a one person gets one thing and another person gets another. Allow the Spirit to distribute back and forth and flow. Allow him, if you get a word of knowledge, wait for the, allow him to give you the gift of faith or gift of healing or something like that. Allow it to come to you and don't block it because he is doing something far greater than you, far greater than what we've understood. In 1 Corinthians 13, so I'm going to do 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. I'm not going to even read 13 because we probably have all heard it at weddings we, under, we, we, we could probably quote it. But Paul says, though I have the ability to, and then he says all these things. Wait, if Paul says he could do all of these things, though I have gift of prophecy, gift of this, da, 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 I speak with tongues of men and of angels, and I have all these things, but don't have love. It's nothing. There's a reason for this. It's not just because love feels good. It's because the devil can never bring love. See, he can never counterfeit. The, the devil can do all kinds of uh, deception and faking and trying to get in there. But he can't ever produce love. All he ever has is fear. The opposite, so... Perfect love casts out fear. There is no fear in love. God is love. We get all these verses we could say, 1 Corinthians 13, is this is the proof that you don't have to be in fear or protect yourself. When God is moving, when the Holy Spirit is moving, so many people go, oh, I don't want to be deceived. I, oh, I'm not sure. I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can do this. That's fear. Allow the love of God to be shed abroad in your heart. Allow, when he starts distributing his love to you, just open up. Open up wide. Quit protecting. 
That's where the mystery comes in. Remember I said I want to remove the mystery. The mystery comes in so often when we go, and I don't know, and guess what? You won't at that point because you have shut him off. So no fear. Allow the Holy Spirit to do what he wants. He's good. He's amazing. And he's trying to speak to us. Okay, so then in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about prophecy and spiritual gifts. I'm going to read verses 1 through 5. So he goes from talking about love, and then he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. I, wanna, I almost skipped this because I thought, boy, I don't know that we want to get into describing, uh, describing talking in tongues and, and, and what's the, the purpose of all this. But you have to hear this. Paul is describing it saying it's, it's both. Like so much of the time when, when the Lord's speaking to me, I do speak in tongues. And I allow him to bring understanding as I'm speaking in tongues. So if you do that, if, you've, if, if God has uh, shown you something and you have an understanding on it, there's something that he, want, he may want to speak to the church. Now, we could get into uh, talking about interpretation and how to do it in the church and all that stuff. We're not going to get into that. Maybe we can do that later. Uh, but I want to go into verse 22 through 25. And, and I want to highlight something before I read verse 22. I've asked a question here before, and I want you to answer this for yourself. Just because you're a Christian, does that automatically make you a believer? And I'm asking specifically in all areas. Because being a believer... For the forgiveness of your sins is one part. Being a believer for all of the things that Jesus did on the cross, that's a different story. So I'm asking, are you willing to be a believer? And you, you, you might go, boy, that makes me feel gullible. Good, because then you have to trust God. You have to trust him that he's not fooling you. He's not going to pull the wool over your eyes. You have to be willing to believe. Believe first. Believe first. If you're going to be wrong, believe first. Don't block it. So Paul describes the difference between believers and unbelievers. Verse 22. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they, will they not say that you are out of your mind? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all, and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed, 
And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now, is that not something that we should desire? Just to have a person that says, you have undone me. You, you can't know that. There's no way you can know that. Except that the Holy Spirit revealed it to you and you know it. Now, I would guess that this has happened to many of you. You may not even think of it as a word, a word of knowledge. You may not even think of it as prophecy. But I bet there's times where you have sat at a coffee shop across from someone else, and you've been talking to them, and, and a question came to you. And you didn't think anything of it. You just said, hey, have you ever done the da-da-da-da? Have you ever thought of something? And they look at you, and they're like, why did you just say that? Why did you just say that? The reason is, if you're just saying what's on your heart, the Holy Spirit can get right in there and ask them a question through you. Simply, easily, freely, because you didn't block it by being afraid. When I was considering going to Karis uh, Bible College, I actually had, in, in the span of three days, uh, no, four days, three people that I had no idea even knew that there was a Karis Bible College, and they didn't even pronounce it right. And it was like, I'm in a conversation talking with a guy about sharpening my mower blade. And, and we're talking about, uh, he had gone to Watoto and, and done some work in Uganda, and and there was, I mean, there was a conversation with four guys standing there, and he interrupts himself, like he was talking, and he says, he's saying, yeah, we built that house, and you said you should go to Karis Bible College. And then we built the, you know, the whatever, and like, that's how it happened. Multiple times in the span of a couple days. Now, I could dismiss that and say, oh, whatever, but I had been asking the Lord for a word. He delivers it. He delivers a word. But I think sometimes we forget that we are the body of Christ. And the body is how words are spoken. So when he wants to speak, he has to speak through us. In uh, Hebrews 4.2, this, this is where the awareness of your, of your heart is what's important. Hebrews 4.2 says, For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, when you're given a word, the Lord says something to you through someone else. You have a choice. Are you going to believe it or not? Is your faith going to attach to it or not? If you don't mix the word with faith, it will profit you nothing. There can be a wonderful word about something that God has for you, and it will not come to pass if you don't mix your faith with it. So here's the challenge. This is why you need to just allow yourself to believe. Just believe. Be willing to be gullible and believe. Because your faith is then unrestricted. It's unrestricted to believe for things that are bigger than you, that you probably wouldn't try to conjure up. Allow faith to be mixed with the word. So how do you get more faith? 
Just a couple more things. I'm going to wrap this up. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word used there in the Greek is the word rhema. I'm sure many of us have heard this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema of God. The definition of rhema is that which is or has been uttered by the living voice, a thing spoken, a word. I used to think that a rhema is just this massive, like, boy, when there's a rhema word, it's a big deal. It's like God spoke, God spoke. You know, I mean, like, you know, a rhema can be at a coffee shop. It can be someone just, and here's how you know if it's a rhema. <gasps> you, something happens in your heart. You, you, you feel a flutter in your heart. You have a confirmation of something. Something's up with that. Something's up with that. What is it? You may not even know yet. There's a, when you feel the flutter of the heart, pay attention. And allow your faith to mix with that word. See, a rhema is when it comes alive. I used to listen to the Bible on cassette tapes. As a kid, I was like, okay, faith comes by hearing and I'm going to hear it. I'm going to make myself hear it. And I would just play it over and over and over and over and over. But what I didn't realize is that playing the Bible or just having someone read it or me reading it myself, I could just read anywhere. Just start reading. Faith will not come from just the words being audibly spoken. Faith comes by <gasps> hearing hearing. Have you ever said, when I read, sometimes the words just jump off the page at me. That's rhema. When the words jump off the page at you and <gasps> it comes alive to you, you have now received a rhema from the logos, from the printed word. Faith comes by the printed word coming alive in a rhema in your heart. And when you hear a rhema, Oh, baby, you can take that to the bank. I'm serious. You could tell me that I've got title deed to the moon. And if I have a rhema, I guarantee you I'll believe it. Guarantee. I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. I'm a believer first. Be a believer first. Be willing to believe. Take it to the bank. Live by it. In 1 Timothy 4.14, Paul says to, uh, he's writing to Timothy, and he says, Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. So he's saying, don't neglect this gift. Why? He may have seen that either the, the, the prophecy was too big, and Timothy was almost not willing to believe for it, or maybe he just needed to encourage him. If you've been given a prophecy, either by reading the word itself and it coming alive, someone speaking something to you and it, and it quickening in your heart, I bet if we would go through the room, I could, I, I could find a word in every one of you. <laughs> I love to do this. This is where I mean, I, I have sat with people, talked through things, and they go, you know what? Years ago... Somebody said, and they tell me something. 
And I go, really? Huh. Years ago, huh? What are you doing with it? They go, well, what do you mean? What are you doing with it? Are you believing it or not? Are you, are you pursuing it or not? My question is, what are you allowing God to do in your heart? And what have you neglected? The last verse, 1 Timothy 1.18. Paul says, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. By what? By the prophecies. See, Paul says, listen, the prophecies that were given to you, that's how you do life. That's how you do what God's called you to do. So I don't know how many of you have ever received a word. Probably if, you, if you've been here for any length of time, you've either seen someone give a word or you've received a word or maybe you've even given one yourself. If you're in a group of people that people are used to hearing the Lord and, and doing something about it, hopefully you've had a little experience with it. But what I've seen happen is that there are people willing to give a word and they kind of get re relegated out to, well, that's the prophet. So if you want a word, go there. If you want a word, go to somebody who's willing to give it. That bothers me. Because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to move freely and distribute individually as he wants to. He may want to give a word through you. See, this, this includes every single believer. You're not left out. So don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be intimidated by it. Don't think negatively about it. Think, oh, I get to be part of what God is doing. I get to be part of this. Why? Because you have the same spirit. See, it's not about you. It's about the spirit who's in you. And he wants to speak. He is so longing to reveal himself. How does he reveal Jesus? The revelation of Jesus happens through us. He reveals himself when you go and love someone. If you ever need a hug from Jesus, go to Justin. He'll give you a hug from Jesus. I, I, I think it's so, like we chuckle a little bit, and, but come on. He wants to interact with us personally. I think we have just seen him as a story. We go, well, yeah, I, I, know, I know about him, and I know, yeah, 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 yeah. He's real. He's alive. He's living, breathing, speaking, loving. And he wants to love you. And he wants you to understand that he's personal, direct and personal. So when I think of pressure, I think of uh, if, if there's a pipe and water's flowing through that pipe, does the pipe care what, what's flowing or how fast it's flowing? The pipe just is a pipe. It just is and lets it flow. You know that the only time there's pressure in that pipe is when it shuts off the flow. So if you're feeling pressure, chances are you're probably <laughs> shutting off the flow. He, he's so easy. He moves so easily in and through us if we're willing. It's not like you have to perform. It's not like you have to do anything. You're invited to 
experience his presence. To look at a person in the, in the eyes, to feel and experience his love for that person, and to say, oh, I, I, somehow, I somehow have a, a picture that just came to me. What do I do with it? Well, go tell him. Go tell him what you sensed in your heart. So, tonight, what we're going to do is just make an invitation that everyone can just sort of move around, get the, um, I was going to say the cobwebs, it's not really cobwebs, but like shake off the dust and just allow yourself to think differently. We had talked about having the, you know, the front open and maybe if somebody has a word, you know, something like that. And the more I thought about it, the more it just kept, I just kept seeing people just sort of milling around. We're not going to spend a long, long time on this. This is an opportunity to just practice something. And actually, if uh, worship team, if you guys want to come up and um, just, they're just going to play some music. And I want to say something. This is not uh, a discussion time to talk about the bets you placed on sports teams or something. <laughs> Sorry, maybe I shouldn't have brought that in. It's not a time to talk about other stuff. This, like, this is a time when you're walking around, and if you want to sit there, you are more than welcome to sit there. You can go sit in a corner, you can stay right where you're at if you want to. But this is why you walk around. I'll just demonstrate. I'm walking. If, if I would sit there, I'm only able to interact with the people that come right next to me. If I walk, and I'm just praying in, in my heart, just quietly, just open or not praying at all, just, just open, listening, and I see someone, God has the opportunity to highlight a person to me. Um, I'd, I'd like to say, let's, let's keep the lights up. Uh, so we can see each other. Maybe it's just because the lights are so bright up here. I don't know. Um, but just to walk around and let the Lord highlight somebody. Maybe you'll go, as you're walking, you'll see a guy with a hat. And you'll be like, huh, I, in, my, in your heart, I see a guy with a hat. Oh, and the, the, the hat has a little white on top. Okay, well, if I see a guy with a hat with a little white on top, Lord, show me what the word would be for him. Do you have a word for him? And if you don't get a word, you just don't worry about it. You don't have to do anything. But if you, if you see a guy with a hat with a little white on top, and you hear redeemed, you go, hey, you know what? God wants you to know that everything has been redeemed. And you just go on. You just go on. Let it go. You don't have to, to answer for something. You don't have to be the Holy Spirit. You just have to be open for him to whoo, speak a little something. Speak a little something. Speak. Do you realize that with words, this is how the power of God is released. It's how creation happened. It's how uh, your future is determined by the words.